Hey, let's turn to 1 John chapter 5 this morning. And we are wrapping up 1 John. Not today, but chapter 5 is the last chapter. We've made it. It's been such an awesome book. Such an awesome book that just reminds us of just kind of our identity in, in Christ, right? That we're supposed to be people that are loving one another. Supposed to be people that are in fellowship with one another, walking in light and not the darkness. <clears throat> and we're kind of going to see here as John kind of finishes up this book that there's a, it's kind of just a summary of kind of some of the points he's already talked about. Um, he kind of just brings up the same few points over and over again, but that's okay. He's really trying to make a point uh, to this church in Ephesus who's. Uh, been going through um, some stuff, man. They've been prone to these false teachers and and these false doctrines, these Gnostics that that want to come in and, and think they've got special access and powers to God. And and John just saying that's a bunch of baloney and and don't you forget it. Um, but we've seen so many times this this idea that John's trying to paint that. As Christians, as as child, as as a child born of God, that we practice righteousness, that we don't practice sin, that we love others, uh, that we, we we're people that overcome the world, and we're not going to act like the world, and that we keep ourselves uh, away from Satan. As we jump into chapter five of probably just going to be two parts, but I've got five things that we're going to see here. And John uses these, uh, if you look through your scripture, John uses these, uh, he says, we know a lot as he starts most of these. And, and so we're going to see a few things of what do we know? That's what I titled my sermon this morning is what do we know? Uh, and five things we're going to see about uh, that we know we can be certain as Christians as children of God, we're going to see today that we're going to know what a Christian is and we're going to know, we know who Jesus is. And next week, we're going to see that we know how to pray with confidence and we know how a Christian acts and we know the truth. And that's kind of how he's going to wrap this, uh, this letter to the uh, Ephesians. So let's get right into it this morning. Uh, we're going to be right in uh, verse one of chapter five says, whoever believes that Jesus is Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him, who begot also loves him, who is begotten of him. By this, we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and keep his commandments. We're gonna stop right there. And if you're a note taker, number one is we know what a Christian is. And we've talked about this, but most people in the world, they don't know what a Christian is. That's pretty sad. There was a survey, I referenced it a few weeks ago, but there's a survey out uh, that says that uh, upwards of 50% of people think that you can go to heaven for just being a generally good person and having no relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, there's other people that think that uh, religious works is how you get into heaven. And so 
John wants to make it clear. You got to know what a Christian is if you want to be a Christian, right? You got to know. And it's not through works. It's not through good intentions. It's not through being a generally nice person. What makes us a Christian? How do we know what a Christian is? We know because it's a faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And that's what makes us a child of God instead of a child of the world. Faith that's finished in the work of Jesus Christ that he did on the cross. <clears throat> and that's what he's saying in these first, uh, this first couple of verses. Whoever believes that Jesus Christ is born of God and everyone who loves him, who, who begot also loves him, who is, who is begotten of him. By this we know we love the children of God. And so right there, he's also saying, we can't just, uh, it's not just about loving God. It's just gonna be loving others that, that come as well. Verse three says, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. And we go back to what Jesus says. What are the commandments? What are they? Come on, I've said it like 35 times in the last six weeks. Love God and love others. Love God and love others. And we've seen that theme through this entire letter that children of God are just going to naturally be people that love the people of the church. Going to be people that come along, other people in the church that aren't going to be easily angered or wicked or bitter towards other people in the church because we're children of God and we represent Jesus. And that joy, that love, that Jesus has for us when we don't deserve it. Even when somebody's getting on our nerves, difficult people we talked about. We got to love even the difficult ones in the church. You guys love me, right? I'm difficult. Okay, thank you. <laughs> As Christians, our love for God will be seen in our desire to live an obedient life for him. I like this verse three. His commandments are not burdensome. Underline that in your Bible. How many of you guys feel that way sometimes? I think our flesh can get us to a point sometimes where we just feel like, oh man, I gotta get up and go to church this morning. <sighs> gotta just read the Bible. <sighs> um, but it says his commandments aren't burdensome. And it's something that our love for God, we, we should have a desire to obey him. It should be, it's not something we get to do, or it's not something we got to do. It's something we get to do. I think of the verse of Matthew eleven thirty that just says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Our ability to obey God 
should just be something that comes naturally to us as people who love God and just put your trust in Jesus that he wants what's best for us. These commandments, Jesus telling us not to sin, telling us how to act, it's because he wants what's best for us. Love for God and obedience to the word of God is one and the same thing. And it's not, it shouldn't be grudging or burdensome or, um, and I think it's that difference between obedience and faith-driven obedience. Faith-driven obedience looks a little bit different, doesn't it? It's motivated from love that we have for Jesus. I was thinking about it this way. Uh, yesterday marked one year that uh, we adopted our kids. Mariah and I adopted our kids from, from foster care. Yeah, pretty awesome. It's crazy. It's been already a year. It's, I can't believe it. Um, but I was thinking about it this way. It's like there's laws in place uh, for, for how we're supposed to care for our children, right? I go to jail if I don't follow those laws, right? But I don't care for my children because I, ha I have to follow the law. I guess I'll feed you today. I'm, it's, it's because I love them. And because I love them, I'm happy to follow these laws. Isn't it the same when we follow Jesus? Isn't it the same when we are, we're obeying the word of God? I'm not, if I'm just caring for my children because I don't want to get in trouble with the law, that's going to make me a really bad parent because that's, that's how bitterness gets in. If I'm just doing it because I have to, then I'm just like, you know, there's no love there. It's, it, I'm just going to eventually just hate it. I'm just, these kids, man, they're just costing me so much money with this food and, just got put them in new clothes. They keep growing. Ridiculous. That's no way to parent. But if I'm also claiming to love my kids and I'm not obeying the laws, I would say most people would challenge me that I'm not really loving my kids very well. If I'm saying I love my children, um, but they all look like they're starving and and they don't ever get out of the house or whatever. Um, man, I would say that there's something in my life that's stopping me from loving my kids the way I'm supposed to love them, right? I think it's true with our walk. Like there's something, if we're not obeying God's word, if we're not obeying the commandments that God's given to us, then there's something in our lives that's holding us back and it's sin. Verse four says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the son of God? And how do we overcome our sin? If we've got something 
in our way, if we've got something that's holding us back from experiencing that love of God, experiencing uh, something that's getting in the way of us wanting to just obey God with everything in us, um, how do we overcome the sin? How do we overcome the world? How do we overcome our issues? And it's through our faith. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. It all comes down to faith. We don't overcome things by trying harder. We don't overcome things by doing more community service or anything else like that. We don't do it by works. It's all by faith. The life abiding faith and trust in Jesus Christ is the life that overcomes the pressures and temptations of the world. It would be pretty burdensome to do this if we were relying on ourselves. If we messed up and said, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna try harder next time, God. And we can, we can definitely try harder, but I think what really we need to do here is quit trying to do things harder on our own and start trusting in the Lord. Putting more trust in the Lord is how we're gonna get there. Let God be your victory. Let our faith overcome our problems, not trust in ourselves. I hope when you guys have problems and struggles, you're bringing them to God. I hope you're saying, God, I can't do this. I can't do this on my own. I'm stupid for thinking I could. But I know you can, and I'm putting my trust and faith in you. God, I'm giving my problems to you. I'm trusting that, that you're gonna make this happen, God. And I don't know, on your time, I'm pretty impatient, but God, I'll wait for you. And God, I need help being more patient. <laughs> but paint such a cool picture of what, what a Christian is and what a blessing it is as Christians that we don't have to sit around and wonder if we're going to heaven. Our Bible lays it out that we're saved by faith. If we believe in Jesus Christ and the work he did on the cross and repent of our sin, then we don't have to wonder. This is what being a Christian is though. And he wants us to know he wants us to have no doubts in our mind what it's going to take to be a Christian, what a Christian is, how to identify a Christian. It's kind of the tone of his whole letter, right? Showing us our identity, giving us kind of these tests to go, how you doing practicing righteousness? How you doing loving your brother and sister? Are you walking closer to God or are you walking farther away from God? Are you resisting the temptations of the world? Or are you just giving in to them? Are you believing everything you're, you're hearing? Or are you testing it with the word of God and the Holy Spirit? I think it's important we know what a Christian is. 
what they look like, how to identify them. Number two is we know who Jesus is. I think it's just as important that we know what a Christian is. We have to know what Jesus is, right? So he, he goes deeper and he says, this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the spirit who bears witness because the spirit is truth. There's a little bit of debate on this uh, verse and on what exactly John meant by it. Sometimes it's hard, uh, you know, I love that John writes in such a way that's so easy to understand. Um, But often this kind of sounds like a one-way phone call because he's addressing a certain specific scenario in the church. And we don't get to kind of hear the other side of it. So we go, what is he talking about? Water and blood. What is he referring to? Some believe that John refers to water and blood uh, that came out of Jesus uh, when he was speared on the cross. John was there for that. He would have saw that. Others think that he was talking about the physical birth that Jesus had through Mary, the water in the womb and and the physical death being the blood. Some think John meant... uh, the water of Jesus' baptism and the blood of his crucifixion. I like what um, I found this from Pastor Dave Guzik. He just says, when Jesus was baptized, he was not baptized in repentance for his own sin because he had none, but because he wanted to completely identify with sinful humanity. When he came by water, it was his way of saying, I am one of you. When Jesus died on the cross, he did not die because he had to. Death death had no power over him. But he laid down his life to identify with sinful humanity and to save us from our sin. When he came by blood, it was so that he could stand in in our place as as a guilty sinner and to take the punishment for our sin deserved. I like that take from David Guzik. But however we want to interpret this, people can argue about it. The point John's trying to make here is the same point he made right at the beginning of his letter, right? You guys remember the first three verses of First uh, John? It says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that the eternal life, which was the father and was manifested to us, which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the father and his son, Jesus Christ. And again, he's, he's trying to make this point to this church. This is who God is. And the water and blood, however you want to interpret it, he's saying that Jesus is real. He's saying that Jesus Christ was both God and man, came in the flesh. Jesus came in the flesh. And don't let the heresy that these false teachers are peddling fool you. 
this nonsense that Jesus was just a spirit or anything else that doesn't line up with the word of God uh, is nonsense. Saying, Jesus, I, I know because I, I hung out with Jesus. I interacted with Jesus. I touched Jesus. I know that Jesus is full God and, and man. And these other guys don't know what they're talking about. Then it says, the spirit who bears witness because the spirit is truth. The Holy Spirit also bears witness to the true person of Jesus. The Holy Spirit points us to Jesus. Anytime we feel that Holy Spirit, it should point us to Jesus. Jesus told us this in the gospel of John. This isn't something John's making up. John 15, 26 says, but when the helper comes, the Holy Spirit, whom shall I send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will testify of me. A few verses later, as he's talking about the Holy Spirit, he says in 16, 14, he will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. And so we see that the Holy Spirit is a a witness to who Jesus is. That's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome that that gift that we've given, that we get, that gift we receive of the Holy Spirit can just help us and help us and just point us in the right direction to Jesus when we're off course, like a compass or a roadmap. We get off track and we've got that Holy Spirit to help steer us in the right direction. Verse seven says, for there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these agree as one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his son. He who believes the son of God has the witness in himself. He does not believe God has made, or he who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his son. We know and can trust who Jesus is because of the word of God and the Holy Spirit. The word of God and the Holy Spirit given to us. The testimony of God is the testimony of the Holy Spirit because it points us towards Jesus. Just like the entire Bible. You guys know the entire Bible front to back can all point us to Jesus. Every book you can find Jesus at the center of it somewhere. So the word of God also points us to Jesus. And if the testimony of God is the testimony of the Holy Spirit, 
The Holy Spirit's in us. And that means that our testimony, our story should line up with the Holy Spirit and the word of God, right? Our testimony, our story should line up with the word of God and the Holy Spirit. It should be something that glorifies God. It should lead people towards the truth that is Jesus Christ. He says, you know, again, a little bit of context, talking about this church that's subject to believing these things. They've got some wolves that are trying to take people down and make them believe things that aren't true. Saying the witness of man is nothing compared to the witness of God. But if you believe the son of God, then you've got the witness in you. But these false teachers, they don't. If you guys remember back a few weeks ago, John taught on this as discerning. Discerning what other people are saying. Saying, watch out for, watch out for false prophets. People give you testimony that doesn't line up with scripture, that doesn't line up with the word of God. And that's where we have to go. Test everything you hear by the word of God and the Holy Spirit. Something that's given to us, the Holy Spirit, to be able to guide us again. Make us go, I'm going to check that for myself. I'm going to make sure that that lines up with what the word of God says. Make sure that lines up with the words of Jesus. And and if I'm feeling something from the Holy Spirit, I'm going to act on that. We got to be careful. Got to be careful, Christians. But our testimony, it can be used for such good things, right? Our testimony can be used as children of God. If we believe, then we get to go tell people about what Jesus is doing in our lives. It should help us. It should help us be good witnesses. We're supposed to go make disciples. That's the, that's the command. Go make disciples. The Great Commission. How are we going to go do that? By exactly what John's saying. To love others and to share your testimony. Be a witness of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was, what's Jesus doing in your life? Share that with other people. Love on them. Show them that love of Jesus. Show them the power of Jesus in you through your testimony, through your witness. It's so important that we're witnessing to people. But we've got the tools to do it because we've got the word of God and the Holy Spirit. Amen? Verse 11, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. 
there's two verses there that just basically summarize the testimony of the gospel and the assurance we have in Christ. That's a pretty amazing two sentences that really changes everything, right? God has given us eternal life. This life is of his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. I don't know how much more plain or simple it can get here. But John's saying, this is what you have to do to have salvation. It's nothing, there's nothing else involved. It's simple. God's given us eternal life only through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the way. If we have him, we put our faith in him, we have life in him. If we don't have him, then we don't have life. It's that simple. There's no need to overcomplicate things. There's not multiple ways to eternal life. I'm sorry, there's just not. We need to be the others to go, that, that tell people though, we need to go tell people this truth that there isn't multiple ways to eternal life. There's one way, it's Jesus Christ. Regardless of what these other worldly teachers are, are teaching, we've got to be the truth. We've got to be the light. Verse 13 says, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know. I'm sorry, I'm going to restart that. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. That verse should give us so much confidence. If that verse doesn't put a smile on your face as a Christian this morning, I don't know what will. So much confidence that we can have in our salvation through Jesus Christ. We know who Jesus is. He's our savior. He's both God and man. He's sent by God to die for our sins. You want to know who Jesus is? That's who Jesus is. <clears throat> and so as I wrap this morning, we're to, we've got a bunch of more verses to cover next week. Um, then we'll get into, John gets into how to pray with confidence and, um, he's going to tell us how a Christian acts. And he's just going to wrap by just saying, this is the truth. And we'll look at that next week, but how important is it to just set these, just take a step back. We can get so involved in all the complications of things in the Bible and just take a step back and go, who is Jesus? Who are we as Christians? And to simply just go, it's, it's not, it's, we, let's not overcomplicate it. Let's not overcomplicate it. We're Christians because we believe in Jesus. Jesus is full God, full man. 
sent by God to, to die for our sins. And he lived a perfect life to show us that. Um, and all we have to do is repent. All we have to do is believe in Jesus and, and repent of our sins to get there. So we'll stick a bookmark in that right now. But as we wrap here, I just uh, want to invite, um, I want to invite my prayer team up this morning. And um, if you're somebody here this morning who is just maybe just struggling with the, maybe just struggling with your walk. Maybe you're just struggling saying, I'm having a hard time obeying the word of God. My life doesn't really line up with, with, with what God teaches. Or maybe you're hearing this for the first time going, I need to give my life to God this morning. I'm hearing Jesus for the first time and, and, and I, want, I want that. Maybe you just need prayer for something else. I invite you this morning, let's be a church that's praying for one another. Let's be in a church that's involved in each other's life. Come get prayer. Can I, Sherry and Larry, if you, can you guys come be prayer team on this side? We've got people up front ready to pray for you. But let's get involved in each other's lives. Let's practice righteousness. Let's resist sin. Let's love others unconditionally, even the tough ones.